If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Protesting, looting, violence, Antifa, Black Lives Matter. We have it all packed in one massive show for you. And who better to bring it to you than me? All that's coming up right now on I'm Right. Hello and welcome. This is I'm Right with Jesse. I'm just kidding. You know I don't do it like that. Oh, before I forget, I have humongous news. Bill O'Reilly and the No Spin News coming right here to the first 
8 o'clock Eastern time, Monday through Friday. His show's on right before mine, so now you get not one, but two hours of amazing television with Bill O'Reilly and Jesse the Oracle Kelly. Yes, I gave myself that nickname, and I'm praying that it sticks because I love it. Now, on to all the crappy news of the day. Uh, what are we going to do? I mean, we're going to have to laugh at some point in time. Um, well, we have about 50, 60 million unemployed Americans. Stock market is un unreasonably high, which you would think is a good thing, but it's actually a bad thing. All that means is there's a big old bubble that's going to burst. We have companies declaring bankruptcy, and, and America's on fire. Our major cities are on fire. It's all across the country. It's New York, Atlanta, Chicago, it's Seattle, it's Nashville. It's all across America. There's riots in L.A. It's a complete disaster. And I feel like the events of the past week have gotten so crazy. There's so much in the news. And we're going to go over all the Antifa stuff and the crazy things the media is doing and the left and all that. But do we forget what this is actually about? I mean... I feel like we've taken every single narrative we can possibly take and taken off running with it. This is about the murder of George Floyd by a police officer. That police officer has since been arrested and charged. Have we not handled the problem? I don't, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but remember, I, I, look, I don't want to interrupt anybody's narrative on the left or right, but bad cop. Captured, captured on videotape, killing a guy. We all saw it. I mean, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Well, you got him down, man. Let him breathe, least man. Let him breathe. I've been trying to hear about him. Let him breathe, let him breathe. One of my homies died. He ran with a bag of phone. I'm about to just die this thing. Relax. Man, I can't breathe my face. Just get up. What do you want? I can't breathe. Okay, that's ugly. That's all we're going to show you, but that's horrible. America was outraged. And, oh, remember this. All of America, with the exception of one or two internet trolls, everybody saw that video. It was long enough that it gave you the context you needed, and universally, left, right, middle, everybody, white, black, didn't matter. Everybody saw that and said, uh, that's murder? You can't do that? The whole country agreed. It's not like some people, it's not like a big portion of America saw that and said, nice, we got him. Everybody was outraged, every single person. So that's a win, right? We see a dude getting killed by a cop on TV. It's really bad. The country joins together in one voice and says, that's wrong. Someone do something. That's a win. Okay, we're good. Except we're not good. Because let me tell you something. This was never about George Floyd. And you can give me the song and dance about the, oh, you don't understand this. It's about the unheard. It's about the this. It's, a, it's about. It was supposed to be about George Floyd. Uh, does he deserve that? Does that? Is that what his memory deserves? I, I, honestly, if I ever die in some cause, just bury me in the ground. Say your thanks. Go have a beer on my behalf and move along. Please don't burn down America for me. Please don't. Nevertheless, this is what we have. Look at this. So you're telling me this insanity that's taking place all across the United States of America, this is about George Floyd? This is about the anger and police racism. That, that's what this is about, really? You're telling me we are angry about police racism and that's what this is about? Here's my problem with that. 
these cities that are burning down, Minneapolis, New York, Chicago, L.A., Seattle, Nashville, uh, you name it, Atlanta, all of them, um, their police departments are obviously have a long history. Much of it's very, very, very ugly. That's police work in general. You don't have to indict all cops. The job of a cop is to wade through the muck every single day. That's not a defense of bad cops. We'll never be a defense of bad cops. But let's keep in mind, police officers have to go clean up crap all day long and then endure it as the public points and says, look, that guy's got crap on his shoes. But that's their job. But okay, setting that aside, we're going to accuse all these police departments, all these cities of racism. Do you know the police department policies they're putting into place now in all these cities? These are all the most hard left, woke, friendly police department cities in the United States of America. Now, they in general have to deal with more crime on a daily basis because it's a city. And that's just the nature of any city throughout the history of mankind. That's not a race thing. That's a size thing. You get enough people congregated in one area, you're going to have more crime, more violent crime. That's how crime works. But we're going to say that cops in Minneapolis are racist? In New York are racist? In L.A., in Chicago, in Atlanta? These... These police departments, I mean, we have public statements all over the place. They have gone, some people would say, too far. They have been over backwards to say, oh, look at how friendly we are. We're very friendly. Look at how woke. Look, we're the diversity police. We're, we're, we're fine. We're, we're now supposed to believe these are all a bunch of card-carrying racists? Is that the argument we're making? And the reason I ask the question is, nobody can give me a straight answer right now on what all these protesters want, on what all these rioters want. This was supposed to be about George Floyd. Okay, the officer in question, the officer in the video, has been arrested and charged with murder. So, assuming it's no longer about George Floyd, I mean, unless you want the officer already strung up in some lynch mob, if it's no longer about George Floyd and that officer, what is it about? Why can nobody give me an answer? The only answers I get are racism. Okay, so you're telling me these, these, these cities are racist? Well, the cops are. Okay, okay, but these are big city police departments. Have you ever interacted with a big city police department? I live in Houston. I travel all over the country, New York. But the, the police departments are, there's a million black people, a million Hispanic people, a million people of every ethnicity and race in a police department. But you're telling me that police department's racist? Is that honestly what you're telling me now? But we can't have this conversation because it's moved onto something totally different. Now it's about Antifa. Now it's about looting free Nikes. Now it's about screaming at cops. Now it's about spray painting memorials. Now it's just about idiocy. Now it's just a riot and it's not about anything. That's what I'm trying to get to. Nobody can give me a straight answer what these things are about because nobody knows. George Floyd's brother, to his credit, he's stepping up and telling the truth. I just had to come down here, you know, to speak to, speak, speak to people and let people know that just channel your anger elsewhere. Don't tear up your, don't tear up your town. Don't, all of this is not necessary because if his own family and blood is not doing it, then why are you? If his own family and blood is trying to deal with it and be positive about it and go, a certain, or go another route to seek justice, then why are you out here tearing up your community? Because when you finish, 
and then you turn around and then you want to go buy something, you done tore it up. So now you, you, you messed up your own living arrangements. So just relax. Justice will be served. How about that? The one adult in the room. Good for him. His name's Terrence. Good for him. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, speaking of comfort, um, there's pretty much nothing more miserable in the world than going through a day when you didn't sleep the night before. And it's getting worse and worse as I get older. I know you're the same way. When you have that day where you got three, four hours of sleep, you're staring at the clock and you're, you can't turn your mind off and you're thinking, oh my gosh, the next day is going to suck. And it sucks, doesn't it? It's terrible. You walk through like a zombie. You can't think. You can't talk. Your body feels like crap. Stop. You know there's a solution, right? It's called Ebb Sleep. Go buy one. It's a wearable device. It's not sleeping pills. It's not a, a mouth guard. It's a wearable device that targets those thoughts that race through your mind and keep you awake. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse. Get yourself 25 bucks off. Ebb sleep. We'll be right back. Antifa. People talk about Antifa all the time, and let's be clear about what Antifa actually is. It's a massive conglomerate of a bunch of losers. All right, that's what Antifa is. It's Every time you see the mug shots, it's always some dude with half-shaved head, half-dreadlocks, face tattoos, looks like he or she's methed out of his mind. It's a group of losers who found each other in cities all across America, and they've decided now they're going to be anarchists. They're going to try to burn down the system, and they will do that thing that miserable losers do whenever they group up, and they'll try to bully people. Now, they do this all the time in unarmed areas for a reason. That's because nobody will fight back. Nobody will push back. That's why you see Antifa constantly beating people up in Portland and, and trashing things in Portland. You know where you're never going to see that? Lubbock, Texas. Antifa, sadly, has not come up with a big group of people to, to attack people in Lubbock, Texas. I wonder why that is. But rest assured, this is an anarchist group, and Donald Trump came out and he said, quote, the United States of America will be designating Antifa as a terrorist organization. A.G. Barr, obviously heavily involved in this, came out and said, quote, with the rioting that is occurring in, the, in many of our cities around the country, the voices of peaceful and legitimate protests have been hijacked by violent and radical elements. Groups of outside radicals and agitators are exploiting the situation to pursue their own separate violent and extremist agenda. The violence instigated and carried out by Antifa and other similar groups in connection with the rioting is domestic terrorism and will be treated accordingly. Okay. I have no issue with that. I have no issue with designating Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. All that's fine. Fine with what Trump did. I'm fine with, Bar with what Barr did. But here's my issue. Isn't that the easy thing? Isn't blaming everything on Antifa the easy thing? And I see this all the time. I see it all the time with people on the right. You see it less with people on the left. But people on the right have just decided, well, it's Antifa. It's Antifa. Oh, violence is Antifa. All that violence is Antifa. Definitely Antifa. It's not all Antifa. 
Why are we doing that? Why have we become this society who's so afraid to name and point out and criticize anybody unless they're, you know, Antifa, unless they're the white nationalists? Um, let's just be honest about something. Black people were doing a lot of this looting, too. Uh, within hours after the whole George Floyd thing, they were tearing through Foot Locker. They were burning down Target. You saw all those videos of Target on fire. That wasn't Antifa. I, let's just be honest about this. This looting and rioting is a massive group of all kinds of different people from all kinds of walks of life. I have no problem with you blaming a lot of it on Antifa. Uh, it's not only Antifa. Some of it's suburban white kids doing the riot vacation thing where they traipse into town. Some of it's black gangs. Some of it's just black people in a bad neighborhood who want something free. And a lot of the good people out there who are trying to make sure things are nonviolent are people from all backgrounds and all colors. But why do we constantly feel the need that we have to tiptoe around certain things? Well, it's definitely racism. What are you talking about racism? Vir virtually that doesn't happen hardly at all anymore. The numbers say it doesn't happen hardly at all anymore. Uh, it's racism. Uh, okay, all right, uh, let's just, all right, I'll just give you that one there. But obviously, as we can see from all the video, the protesters come from all walks of life. No, it's all Antifa. Well, wait, that's not true. What do you mean it's all Antifa? That's not true. Have you seen the video? Shut up, racist. Wait, I'm not, what? That's what we've done now in this country. We've become so pathetic and so soft that we're afraid to ever address real problems because all politics now, not just by the politicians, by the pundits, by the average everyday Joe like you and me, everybody, they try to operate in a world where they just try to not get yelled at. It's not that anyone's trying to address the problem. You're trying to make sure I don't get screamed at. See, the difference is I work for the first and they let me say whatever I want. That's difference number one. Difference number two is I don't care how many people yell at me. I'm going to come here and tell you my honest opinion. And blaming all this violence, all the destruction on Antifa and only Antifa is a gigantic, cowardly cop-out. And it's completely untrue. It's completely untrue. There are opportunists and scumbags from every walk of life, of every single skin color, and anyone who tells you otherwise has an agenda. I'm sick to death of it. Jenna Ellis... Trump's lawyer came out and said he made the right decision. And I think that President Trump took swept and decisive action here by uh, labeling the uh, Antifa as a domestic terrorist uh, organization. And, you know, this now allows, uh, as Attorney General Bill Barr said yesterday, uh, more of the federal resources to be involved with the FBI uh, Joint Terrorism Task Force, the U.S. Attorney's Offices, and uh, local and state law enforcement to then uh, make sure to combat these acts of violent terrorism. Because, of course, you know, under the United States, Constitution. We have the right to protest. We have the right to uh, to speech. We have the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. But these acts are nothing short of terrorism by trying to coerce and influence government policy through violence. That's never the appropriate action. And so for President Trump, I think that this uh, was a very welcome designation. And uh, this is something that Attorney General Bill Barr has said uh, will certainly be enforced. Good for her. Outstanding. Go after Antifa. Crush Antifa like a bug. Just know this. It's not only Antifa. Come on now. All right. We got a lot more show. Hang on.
Joining me now, former police officer Brandon Tatum. He is also the founder and CEO of the Officer Tatum LLC. Brandon, police work. Obviously, you know a lot more about it than most of my viewers. You know a lot more about it than I do. I have made the argument, while obviously there are crappy cops everywhere out there in the history of law enforcement, that's just natural. We tend to forget that these guys also wade through the crap of society all day long, and then we point out whenever they're dirty. Am I wrong? I know you're 100% right. It's unfortunate that we do this, do this in a society where we can tell that humans are evil. So as long as humans are police officers, there's going to be a few evil, bad people out there. As long as humans are doing surgery on you when you go to the hospital, there's going to be some bad people. So I think and I hope and I wish that people would just look at the facts, look at reality, and then base your frustration on whoever is doing the crime, whoever is doing the injustice. And in this case, um, or at least the one that's just come up with George Floyd, it's one officer. Leave the rest of the officers out of it unless they do something specifically. I'm glad you brought up look at the facts because here's something that has completely weirded me out about this entire thing. America is different. This is not 1960. This is 2020. This video came out. And Brandon, maybe you saw something different than I saw. I saw universal condemnation of that cop and what happened on that video from everybody on the left, everybody on the right, everybody in the middle, everybody black, white, Hispanic, every person I know, even, even internet trolls were saying, uh, that's murder. And yet somehow we're burning down 140 cities over something we all agreed on. What got lost? Well, I think Stevie Wonder can see that this was a wrong action by a police officer. It's not that hard to, to determine that. You see a man with his knee on his neck, the man say he can't breathe. I don't care if it's a tactic that's used on a police department. As a former police officer, you cannot do that. And that is exactly why he got fired. That's exactly why he's been charged. I think that the justice was very swift. But this is what I want people to understand. This has nothing to do with George Floyd. This has nothing to do with justice. This has everything to do with revenge. And it has everything to do with these whiny, uh, leftist, brain-dead people who are coming out to steal things, to come up off a of profit from free televisions, free Gucci bags. It is blown out of proportion. And I believe that majority of this has never been about George Floyd. And if it was, if somebody want to have the litmus test, if it was about this gentleman in this situation, then after the cop was arrested, we will see no more protests. We will see no more violence. Brandon, I have argued that I think the blaming all this on Antifa is absurd. Yes, I'm fine. You want to designate them a terrorist group? Fine. Obviously, Antifa sucks. I obviously think they're part of it. I feel like that's the biggest cop-out in the world to say, well, it's all Antifa. They're from out of town. It's just all Antifa. Obviously, that's part of it. But why are we unable to talk frankly about certain things in society? Why are we unable to say, well, obviously, there are some black gangs out there who are looting things. Obviously, there are some just flat-out suburban white kids not associated with anybody coming into town to have a little riot weekend and then go back out. This is a diverse protest and riot. Some people are doing the right thing. A lot of different people are doing bad things, but we don't seem to want to talk about that. Why? We're dying from a slow death of political correctness. Our leaders are cowards. They cannot, they don't want for the life of them, they cannot be seen on camera saying anything negative about black people. I've watched the videos like everybody else in this country. Yeah, I see some Antifa people out there. I see a couple white people out there. 
I see a tremendous amount of black people running out of Foot Locker with Jordans in their, sh in their hand. I see them beating the living daylights out of white people, yelling, kill the white person. I mean, come on, man. It, 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 we cannot get anything done if people consistently uh, project disingenuous conversations. There are white people a part of this. There are Mexican people. There are black people. But the problem with this is, and the people who are going to hold the bag of blame in this situation, is going to be black people. And let me tell you why. Because there was a black man that was killed. They're yelling, Black Lives Matter. The argument and the frustration is because black people are being hunted down by police. And so the outrage that's necessitated by what happened to a black man by black people in the community with some white people sprinkled in there in Antifa is going to make black people look bad. And, and I don't understand how people are not uh, focused on facts and reality. Black people in America are not getting hunted down by police officers. Just last year, 2019, 365 days in a year, there was nine black people who were shot unarmed. Most people understand that just because you're unarmed don't mean you're innocent. There was nine black shot unarmed. This year alone, in Chicago, Memorial Day weekend, there were 10 black people killed. They ain't even protest on a, on a corner, let alone do a nationwide protest. These people are disingenuous. A lot of them are white and black alike. Why'd you become a cop? And I ask it, I ask it for this reason. I look, I, look, I live in the burbs. I'm not living downtown Houston. I'm not living downtown New York, downtown Chicago, anywhere else. I live in the burbs. But I look at the condition of the police officer in a big city right now, and I wonder why anybody would do the job. You're constantly, constantly under scrutiny. Most of the time, the mayor himself does not have your back. Everybody has a cell phone camera out recording your worst moment. Why did you do it? Because I can't picture anybody doing it. Well, it's because you love the community and you love people more than you love yourself. And, and that's pretty much the, 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 the greatest amongst us. And, and, and there's some rag dolls in there, but the greatest amongst us decide that they want to protect their community and they're going to do it at any cost. Even though you don't get paid that much money, even though your life is in danger and most people are crappy that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and they're having their worst day ever. But you do it because you love the people more than you love yourself. The reason why I initially did it is because I love my family more than I love my own safety and self. And I said, look, I need a job that has benefits. And after I did a ride along, man, I was blown away at the heroism of police officers. And so I did the job. I was able to um, patrol my community the best way I thought was possible. I was able to affect change. And I thought it was the, one of the greatest jobs that anybody could ever do. And, and let me say this. Let me correct that. I don't think it's a job. It's a calling. And these people are called, and that's why they do it. I've, I see these cities that are burning down, Brandon, and I see them as being the most woke, you know, kinder, gentler police department cities for years. Have they not done it right? Are cops poorly trained? Are cops, do they not know how to detain a suspect? Is because dealing with this actual George Floyd situation, what are you doing with your knee on the back of a guy's neck for that long? I mean, for whatever the reason was, whether you're racist, whether you're just a bad cop, dude, that's just bad police work. Anybody can see he's detained and cuffed. Why does that kind of thing happen? Well, I think because you have these one-offs, man. You have a guy, I don't know, for whatever reason, he decided that he was going to do that. Even though the man is saying he can't breathe, even though people are videotaping him, he's a one-off. 
if that was consistent and the training was consistent with how they, this guy acted, there would be a tremendous amount of people dead. Probably every single person that resists arrest would be dead today if the training was bad. So the training is not the problem in many of these situations. It's human nature. You know, there, there are people that, you got me back? There, there are people that are in the human race that are just evil, man. And, that, and that's pretty much what it comes down to. I do think police can use better training and more training. But in a lot of these cases, it's not the training that's the problem. It's the individual that's the problem. I've heard a lot of arguing in the past few days about police unions, people mad about police unions, keeping cops from getting fired. What's your take on them one way or the other? In general, I hate unions. When I see a police union, though, I have a soft spot for them. Am I full of crap? No, I think police unions, people, people misunderstand police unions, right? If you don't have a police union, you don't have anybody protecting the police. And sometimes police officers make mistakes. Sometimes they do things that may not be, um, you know, right. But you got to have somebody that protect them. And the police union is literally trying to protect the police officer's rights. And so they can represent you. Um, if you, it's, it's almost like a defense attorney. I mean, are you going to tell defense attorneys that they should not exist? No, they have, their clients have rights and they're here to protect the rights. And a lot of times if these police unions didn't exist, police officers would be getting thrown under the bus and they would have no protection under the law or even their constitutional rights being protected. Because as we can tell, the city manager can care less about their police department in many of these cases. The mayor, the governor, they can care less. The police chief, they can care less. So in a lot of these cases, the union are the only ones that will stand up for the police officers. Sadly, he's right. We do need defense attorneys. Brandon Tatum, thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me, brother. Be good. The man's right. We're going to have him back. He's really good. All right, hang on. There's an old saying out there, where there's smoke, there's fire. Now, I don't know who came up with that saying, so I'm going to take credit for it. So I just came up with that. Please quote me accordingly. Where there's smoke, there's fire. What are we supposed to make of the left and their conduct conduct during these protests and riots? Let's have a conversation, people. What are we supposed to make of this? Because what I'm staring at right here is the immediate relatives of several major U.S. politicians taking part in, in some cases, being arrested at riots tearing down American cities. I'm looking at leftist celebrities bailing out, providing mass quantities of bail money for people burning down American cities. At what point in time are we simply going to accept the fact that the leftists in America now are not an opposing political party with just kind of a different view on how things should work out? The leftists in this country right now, they're an insurgency, and they conduct themselves constantly as if they're an insurgency trying to bring this place down, and nobody wants to talk about that or point that out because it makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? I mean, it's easier to accept if you're, if you're just a standard person on the right, and you see this leftist across the street, and you, it's just easier to accept if you think, wow, okay, so he loves abortion. All right, he wants taxes a little higher than I do. Look, it's just two sides. It's just two different sides of the same coin. Brother, no, it's not. He wants to destroy you and everything you care about. I don't care if that makes you uncomfortable. It's true. And you know what? 
The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Look at all these people. De Blasio's daughter, Chiara, I'm not sure of how you say that, arrested at a riot in New York City. An anti-cop riot in New York City. The mayor's daughter was arrested there. Oh, by the way, the mayor came out and defended her. I love my daughter deeply. I honor her. She is a, such a good human being. She only wants to do good in the world. She wants to see a better and more peaceful world. She believes a lot of change is needed. I'm proud of her that she cares so much that she was willing to go out there and do something about it. That's how you end up with somebody like that. I want you to imagine what your father would have said to you if you got arrested at an anti-cop rally downtown. Uh, I personally probably wouldn't be alive today to do this show had I ever been arrested at an anti-cop rally. And as such, now, as a grown adult, it would never occur to me to go to an anti-cop rally because my dad would have murdered me. But when your dad says, ha, atta girl, baby, proud of you, then you get what you get. Oh, he's not alone, though. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, here he is holding up an Antifa pamphlet. This is the Attorney General of Minnesota. Yeah, that's a problem, isn't it? Oh, did I mention Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison's son? He supports Antifa, openly declared his support for Antifa. Antifa. Well, that's, that's two major Democrats in the United States of America. But wait, Ilhan Omar, she had a child supporting Antifa. But it's not just politicians. It's actors, it's actresses, it's musicians. Here is the ever so eloquent Cardi B. So I just wanna give my POV. Seeing people looting and going extremely outraged, you know, it makes me feel like, yes, finally, finally, is gonna hear us now, yeah. Ted Cruz decided to take a shot back at Justin Timberlake. You see Justin Timberlake? I, I'm sorry to admit this, people, but the celebrities you love, Justin Timberlake, Chrissy Teigen, Steve Carell, you know, nice guy Steve Carell with The Office, Seth Rogen, old goofy Seth Rogen, I love his movies. These guys are saying they're going to bail out the people burning down America's cities. Ted Cruz probably nailed it best when he said, Justin, how about giving your millions to fund... Uh, to a fund to help the African-American and Hispanic small businesses that are being burned and looted rather than a fund to bail out the spoiled, often white Antifa terrorists who are destroying our minority communities. Here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. Where there's smoke, there is fire. What am I supposed to take from all this? I take it as a confirmation that I've been right all along. The left wants us to go down. They're looking at the burning of America, and they're celebrating while you look on in horror. All right, we got more. I've been wanting to talk to this guy for a couple days now as I watch America burn. I mean, it's not as if I'm thrilled about it either, or anybody's thrilled about it, and I'm sure Jim Hansen's not thrilled about it, so allow us to welcome in Jim Hansen, former Green Beret, and current president of the Security Studies Group. Jim, before we get to the reasons behind all this, these crazy leftists and how they're basically an insurgency, would you maybe drop a pointer or two for some American in a city or suburb or rurally who's looking around and thinking, you know, probably time I took some responsibility for my own security. What should they be looking for out there? What should they do? 
buy guns and ammo and then train with the guns and then be prepared when the police aren't there. If we saw one thing in this whole debacle, it's that when the excrement hit the rotary oscillator, the police were gone in far too many cities. So if you live in a blue city or a blue state, you might as well assume you're on your own. And that's not a lick on the cops. That's the lick on the people who tell the cops they can't take care of us. Jim, I look at this, and I obviously see my own point of view with it, but I will tell you, I look at this and I see just further evidence of the fracturing of America between urban and rural. It's been happening, obviously, for years now. There's always been a divide there, but it's so bad now. I feel like leftists just pour into American cities, and anybody right or center right flees the cities as as fast as humanly possible, and it's created two different Americas. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. The only real danger is that a lot of the leftists in those cities that they've destroyed are now leaving and moving to decent red state cities and trying to turn them into the kind of crap holes they did with their own. So yeah, I think we need to figure out how to ban you know, people from California and New York City moving to decent places. It's, uh, it's definitely a situation where there are two mentalities and two ways of living and only one of them is compatible with liberty, freedom, and prosperity, and that's our kind. Jim, it's not as if I'm expecting massive media to, to point out this fact, but the truth of the matter is this. These cities, I talked about it in the opening of the show, New York, Minneapolis, Seattle, Nashville, L.A., Atlanta, where all these riots are happening, these are not racist police departments or in the very least over the past years they have gone out of their way to become the most woke the most friendly hands off we're good we're going to be community you know we're going to get in touch with the community police departments these are not some you know uh, confederate flag waving you know neo-nazi police departments here and everybody's acting as if it's just an accepted fact that these big city police departments are racist half the cops are black most of the big city police departments match the communities they live in. They've made an ex- a concerted effort to recruit from the community, to, to bring people in. And like you said, though, what they did then is then they emasculated those police departments and they stopped them from being o- able to be the forces of protection and forced them to be coddlers of criminals. And it hasn't worked. When on earth, has backing down from a bully and pretending that they're not gonna, you know, they're gonna go ahead and stop their evil ways if you're just nicer to them worked. It's never worked anywhere on earth. And we saw the results now. They coddled them in Minneapolis and they burned a police precinct. And then it spread. As soon as they saw there was no consequences to this, then everybody who ever wanted a new pair of Air Jordans or a Chanel bag started breaking windows and ripping people off. And then worse than that, they started shooting at cops all over the the country. And it's out of hand, and the only way to fix it is to have actual security by force. What does need to happen with... Now, I'm not one of these people who wants some federal decree. I don't want federal legislation. I don't want President Trump handling it. Each city should handle its own policing. But in general, what is the divide there, Jim? It's just just a simple... I mean, poor areas are always going to have more crime, no matter what color they are, and that's always going to create extra friction with the police department. Are there actual things that have to happen on a policing level? What should we do? 
Well, there's two things. Number one, it is outstanding to go ahead and have your police department be a part of your community. But they shouldn't be the part that stands there while people break and steal things and beat up innocent civilians. They have to be the ones who stand up and say, knock it off, and then knock somebody down if they don't do it. But they can't be the ones who take advantage of that. And then there's the friction. Where do you draw the line? And you always, if you look at it, the stats on police violence have been going down for decades, and they've gone down every year Trump's been in office. So it's not a problem of an increase in police violence. It's a problem of activist groups and other people pretending that every act of police misconduct is happening the same way every day. We need to get the media and the activist groups to stop highlighting this as if it is an epidemic and treat it as what it is. It's an aberration and something that the police departments can fix themselves. Why does everybody love that word racism so much, Jim? It, it drives me crazy. It's not as if I think racism doesn't exist. Prejudice has always existed, will always exist. I actually argue every human has some of it inside of them. Some people would just try to actually fight it and some embrace it. But I feel like America is obsessed with it. That anytime we see a video like that awful George Floyd video, it's racism, racist, racist, racist. Can we, whoa, maybe it's a bad cop. Before anybody knew what was going on, before we knew if that cop had adopted 20 black kids, we decided he was a member of the KKK instead of just a crappy cop. Why are we obsessed with the word racism? Because it works for the radical left activists. They get the attention they want and they get the, the victimology rewards because if they've got client victims, and in this case, the liberal left has black racist victims, victims of racism who are black everywhere. And all they have to do is present them and the media and all of their allies will treat this as if it is an actual epidemic. When in reality, as you said, there is a little bit of racism everywhere and more than there should be everywhere but it's not the biggest problem anybody in this country has. So we need to go ahead and acknowledge it where it is. Let's say, yes, there are people who do racist things and are treating other people horribly. They should stop and we should all call them out. But it's not the epidemic that we need to focus on right now. The Rona was the epidemic we need to focus on. Now we need to move past that. We need to move past these riots and we need to get back to turning this into a decent country again. Jim, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, so I'm going to way change the subject on you. I realize your army, you're just going to have to catch up as fast as humanly possible here. <laughs> Social media censorship. Donald Trump mm -hmm. comes out, Twitter, Twitter censors one of his tweets, and then fires back again, censors another one of his tweets. Donald Trump says, hey, we are ending this social media virus, uh, bias. Small government types are screaming. A lot of more nationalistic types are saying it's absolutely necessary. Where does Jim Hansen fall? I want a level playing field, man, and that's it. I don't want the government to intervene because the government doesn't do anything well. So all you're getting is something that's gonna become worse the second the government takes over. But the problem is the social media companies are cheating, all right? They are not playing fair. They, they go ahead and stack the deck against conservatives and conservative thought, and that's not fair when they have a monopoly on the information space. So what I want and what Trump's doing right now, it's something we recommended, threaten their business model by saying, we'll take away your immunity from lawsuits unless you stop viewpoint discrimination. If you stop that, we'll leave you alone because we don't want to run the internet. We don't want the government to run the internet. We want the left to stop running the internet like it's their own private playground. 
That's not fair when they're the only ones right now with a playground. Not the way I want it, it's the way it is. That's why guys like you matter. We're taking back the airspace, we're taking back the info space, but until it's a fair playing field, they can't cheat. Jim Hansen, Security Studies Group, thank you, my friend. Uh, good to be with you. We've got a video for the ages. Hang on. I have breaking news. We may have finally found the answer to the age-old question, what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? You see all over the place, we have these protesters. They're standing in the road. There are cars. They're trying to get by. Now the protesters are getting violent. They're jumping on the cars. People don't know what to do. And here, as you can see, there's a car. The car runs into some protesters and isn't sure what to do. Ooh. Well... I think there we have our answer, ladies and gentlemen. You see, even if it's a Prius, I know this is breaking news, even if it's a Prius, stay out from in front of the car. Otherwise, you end up going down like that. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. On The Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of The Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually my drink was give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam! I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.